So we're going to be hanging out today in a, in a book called uh, Micah. It's towards the end of the Old Testament, right before Matthew in the New Testament. So I wanted to give you some time to go ahead and find it if you have your Bibles, because it's not a book that we often go to. And, uh, and so, uh, so that's where we're going to be hanging out in just a few minutes. But we have spent the past couple weeks talking about kindness, right? Like, and we've been challenging you to uh, do and perform acts of kindness that maybe you normally wouldn't do, or some of you already are doing acts of kindness. And, uh, and we said, hey, what would it be like over the next three weeks, over the next 21 days, if we as a church together did over 500 acts of kindness in just 21 days? And so I hope that you have been practicing your kindness. I hope that you have been looking at ways that you can be kind, maybe ways that you don't normally uh, show acts of kindness to others. Uh, I've been reading about it online. It's so cool to see what some of y'all have done and how you've shown kindness to others. Some of you have shown kindness to friends. Some of you have shown kindness to family members. Some of you have shown kindness to perfectly good strangers. And I love that. I love that you guys have been stretching yourself and moving out and showing kindness. And, and we said this, we said from the very beginning that kindness changes people. We said that from the very beginning, from day one, that kindness changes people. And my prayer, my prayer has been from the very beginning of this series, my prayer has been this, that kindness would transform you and that kindness would transform those around you. And so this morning, to kind of get us talking about kindness, because today we're, we're, uh, we're looking outward. Uh, the first week we talked about kindness between us and God and how God is a kind God, and he shows his kindness to us. And then we talked about last week, we talked about kindness within the church. And, and so today as we talk about kindness outward, uh, I wanted to talk to you or, or begin by sharing with you a story about a guy named Harold Lowe. Now, many of you have probably never heard of Harold Lowe. Uh, you're probably like, who in the world is this guy, right? And, uh, well, Harold was a 29-year-old officer, and he was on board the ship called the Titanic. Anyone ever heard of the Titanic? And uh, he was on board. He was uh, an officer on the ship, and he was the only, the only person who returned to the site of the shipwreck uh, to save more survivors, so he was charge of one of the boat. He was charged with taking one of the boat, filling it up, and taking people uh, to safety. And then he was the only one that returned to find more survivors. And, 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 and despite fearing that his boat would be swamped with desperate people and eventually drowned, he turned his boat around in the ice-cold weather, and he went back and he saved as many as six people from freezing uh, from the freezing sea. And, and, and it's acts of kindness like this one. It's acts of kindness like Harold Lowe that has been changing our world for centuries. It's selfless acts like this that has been transforming people's lives for hundreds of years, for thousands of years. And today, I want to talk to you about this idea. I want to talk to you about how kindness can change our world how kindness can change our world. And so if you have your Bibles again, let me just invite you to open them up to Micah. Micah chapter 6, that's where we're going to hang out. We're going to look at verses 6 through 8 together. And, uh, and so I want you to read with me the words of the prophet Micah. So Micah was a prophet from God, and he's speaking to the Israelites. And here's what he says in verse 6, beginning in verse 6. It says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? 
Will, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And here's where Micah says, and what does the Lord require of you? And listen to what he says. The Lord requires of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly and to love mercy. That word mercy, actually in other translations, in most translations, is the word kindness. To love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And so let me share a little bit about what's happening in this passage, because you're like, well, this is kind of a weird passage and talking about kindness, but let me just share with you some history or what's going on, because here's what's happening is that God and God's people are having an argument. They're not getting along in this moment. God's people, the Israelites, no surprise, have disappointed God once again. And God's really frustrated with the Israelites, and so he's upset with them, and he's using his prophet Micah to be his prophetic voice. So God did this often in the Old Testament. He chose prophets to go and to share often not great news with God's people and to tell God's people what was on God's mind. And so here, Micah is sharing with the people what's on God's mind. And if you could picture the setting, the setting of this scripture it would basically be set in a courtroom. It's a courtroom type of setting. And so, uh, so you've all watched TV shows, and uh, maybe if you're older, Perry Mason, if you're younger, Bull, uh, and you've seen all these TV shows with courtroom drama, and that's exactly what's going on here. It's a courtroom type of scene, and, and, and the jury is God's creation. The jury, the ones that are going to uh, pass down judgment are, uh, the, the Bible says, are the mountains and the hills and the earth's foundation. They're in the jury box, and the Lord has an indictment against his people. The Lord has, uh, has already uh, made his case, and now he, is, he has an indictment for them. In verses 3 through 5, if you read uh, before that, you would see that the Lord talks about uh, um, what they've done. Like he says these, I just want to read a couple of them to you. He says, my people, what have I done to you? Like, what have I done to deserve this is what God is saying to them. How have I burdened you? And he's like, answer me. Like, I demand a response from you. I brought you up out of Egypt. I redeemed you from the land of slavery. I even sent Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam. And my people, remember, remember what Balak, the king of Moab, plotted and what Balaam, the son of Boar, answered. Remember your journey that you know the righteous acts of God. And so God's like really upset. He's upset with his people because in this brief history, he said, don't you remember what I've done for you? Like I have rescued you from time and time and time again. I've liberated you and, and I've provided for you. And he even gives them some things to remember. Remember Moses, remember Aaron, remember Miriam. Remember that time when the Balak did this and he goes, and I rescued you. And he's giving them examples He's like, listen, I'm constantly rescuing you so that you will remember my good deeds. And now, here's the time for God's people to respond. Like God has laid his complaint out before them, but they don't have anything to say. Like they don't know what to say. Like it's like, if you imagine, it's like they are like kids and they have been busted by their parents and their parents ask, now what do you have to say for yourself? And they got nothing. 
And I don't know about you, but when we have conversations or conflict with our kids, the, the three words that I despise the most when, they, when, they, when, I, when I confront them are these words, I don't know. It's like, I hate it. It like gets under my skin when my kids, when I confront them about something and they say, I don't know. I, why didn't you do your homework? I don't know. Uh, why didn't you take out the trash? I don't know. Why didn't you do your chores? I don't know. And I like want to pull my hair out. And so like Jackson, he's learned because he's been around uh, the other three and he's like, yeah, I probably am not going to use that as often. But he still says, I don't know. And I'm like, I look at him, I say, Jackson, I love you, but you know that I don't know. It's not a response that's valid in our home. And, uh, and so that's basically what's happening here is that God has confronted his people and, and he's like, so I want an answer. Like, why haven't you, why are you acting the way you are? And they basically look at God and say, I don't know. And so they, they skip right from that. And, and no amount of words, they know that no amount of words are going to get them out of it. Like they're caught, they're busted. And, and so all God's people can think to do is to talk about or ask about the proper offerings to make it right. They're like, I don't know why we're doing what we're doing, but how do we make it right, God? Like, how can we just make this right? What kind of offerings do we need to bring? What's going to be the offering that we can bring that's going to make you happy? They're like, God, is it going to be a, a, a thousand gallons of olive oil? Is it going to be a, a, a hundred rams? What is it going to be that's going to make you happy? What do you want from us? What do you require? Just tell us your favorite offering and we'll make it happen and even if it's wild and crazy, God, no matter what you ask, we're going to make it happen. Just tell us. And I love God's response. And I think this is really important for us today because he's not interested. God's not interested, as we read in, in verses 6 through 8. He's not interested in a type of offering. But rather, he wants a type of person. What does God say in verse 8? He says that he wants a person that will do justice. He says, listen, this is what I want. He says, I want a person who will act justly. I want someone who's going to do justice. He says, and I want someone who's going to love kindness or mercy. And he says, and I want someone who's going to walk humbly with your God. Now, the word that's used for kindness here, the Hebrew word for kindness is hesed. Everybody say it with me, hesed. And so I taught you a little bit of, um, of Hebrew. It's probably not pronounced right. It's probably got like the in it, and I, don't, I can't do it, but chassad or something like that. But it's a, a word that actually has several meanings, like a lot of Hebrew words. And this meaning, uh, chassad, is the same as kindness. It's the same as goodness. It's the same as mercy. It's the same as faithfulness. And the prophet, Micah, is compelling God's people to love chassad, to love it. Not just to practice it, not just to do it, but to love said, To love kindness, basically, is what God is saying, that he wants us, as God's people, to love kindness with all of our hearts. That's what God is telling them, to love kindness with all of their hearts. But said, used by Micah, doesn't mean just any kind of kindness, or goodness, or mercy. It's way deeper than that. Like the word, uh, if you study the word, it's got so much going on in that one word. And, and think about what the prophet is saying. God isn't just telling us to just be kind. 
God's not just saying, hey, if you're going to be one of my people, if you're going to be one of mine, that you need to be kind. That's not what God is saying. Uh, He's taking it a step further. God is saying, if you're going to be one of mine, if you're going to follow me, he's saying that you got to love kindness. Everybody say that with me. Love kindness. It's not enough. It's not enough just to be kind. But we are to love kindness. God isn't telling us just to go out and to do good deeds, although that's good and we should do that. But God is telling us to make kindness the heart and the soul of our very being. That we are to be known for our kindness because we love kindness. That's what Hesed is. You see, Micah's world, and, and, and our world for that matter, We don't love kindness. Like, it's not who we are. It doesn't come naturally to be kind and to love kindness. I wish it did, but but we don't live in that world. Our world, well, we love other things, right? Like, we often love ourselves. We often put ourselves in front of other people. We often worship ourselves. We love ourselves. Or or, or we, we even still live by that old eye for an eye rule. Like, we, we love to, to get back at people. We love to retaliate. We love revenge. We love revenge stories. And, and our world likes to get even. We do. We like to get even with people. If you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. We love revenge. We live in the world of Kevin Costner in the movie Untouchables, which I know is an old movie, and I don't usually use old movies, but it's the perfect thing where he says this. He says, if they shoot one of us, we shoot three of them, right? Like, we live in that kind of world where we want, uh, we want uh, just desserts, if you will. And that was Micah's world, too. That was the world that Micah was living in, and God was frustrated with the people because they weren't loving kindness. They weren't acting justly. They weren't being humble. And God says, I don't want your offerings. Like, I'm not interested in your offerings. What I'm looking for is a person, and the kind of person I'm looking for is a person that is just, and a person that loves kindness, and a person that is humble. You see, Hasad goes way against the world, the ways of the world. Hesed goes against the culture of revenge. Hesed even goes beyond just helping uh, little old ladies across the street, even though we should do that too. But it's bigger than that. To love kindness is so much more. It's what we call an inconvenient kindness. Like I'd write that down. I might write it down in, the, in, the, in, the, in Micah, right where you're reading. If you have your Bibles, make it in your Bible notes. But it's, it's what we call an inconvenient kindness. And let me give you an example. Most of us do acts of kindness all the time. And often we'll do it without even thinking about it, right? Like most of us will hold the door open for somebody. We don't think about it. We do other convenient acts of kindness that really don't require much of us. Uh, maybe we'll let someone in our lane of traffic. I, I had plenty of opportunities to do that this week, driving to Florida. And so that's an act of kindness. You don't think about it. Someone's put their blinker on. You let them in. Some of you are like, I ain't letting anybody in front of me. And you like bulldoze up to the front of the bumper in front of you so they can't get in. Um, But others of us let people in. Or maybe you pick up groceries for a sick friend. Or or maybe you're visiting a person that you know is lonely. Or or saying a kind word to the grocery clerk. Or or, um, helping a friend at school pick up papers that they dropped all over the floor. Like those are acts of kindness that that they don't take a lot. They don't cost us anything. They're convenient. You don't even think about it half the time. You just do it. 
And those are all acts of kindness. And they make you feel good about yourself for a time. And, and, and for a moment, you might even connect with the person that you're, uh, that you're, uh, that you're sharing kindness with. And hopefully that person is appreciative. Like hopefully the person that you let in front of you in traffic waves at you, right? Like I try and do that when people let me in. Uh, hopefully they're not giving you any other fingers except for the thumbs up. Um, uh, you know, maybe the, maybe the person at the grocery store clerk, maybe she's or he is appreciative and say, hey, thanks for, thanks for, for telling me that. And so, so hopefully they feel good. And in that moment, in that brief moment, the world's just a little bit better, right? Like just a little bit better because you show kindness, but has said, this, this love of kindness goes far beyond these types of acts of kindness. Like I said, is so much more, and, and an inconvenient act of kindness requires so much more effort. And I want you to think about that. When you think of practicing has said, when you think about love, loving, falling in love with kindness, it often requires so much more effort. And it can even go against our natural instincts. Like loving kindness is so much more than just a random act of kindness. And the best way I've ever heard it described is something like this. Uh, a person said, to give someone a ride when they have no car is kindness. That's kind, right? Like to give someone a ride when they don't have a car, that's kindness. Uh, but to forgive them for stealing your car and then offering them a job is much closer to what has said means. That's more than just a random act of kindness. Like if they stole your car... And, and you forgive them, and then you offer them a job, uh, th that is like an inconvenient act of kindness. And it goes totally against what normally what we'd want to do. Like what we normally want to do is call the police, right? 911, and have them arrested and put in jail for stealing your car. But that's what said is, is an inconvenient kind of kindness. It's loving someone that has done harm to you. It's being kind to someone that hasn't been fair to you. And if we're truly uh, love kindness, as God tells us to do, then we have to be willing, willing to overcome our need for revenge. We have to be willing to overcome our need for selfishness. We have to be willing to overcome our need for hate. And we have to replace it with a loving act and a loving heart. And that's hard to do. That's hard to do. I'll share with you my uh, my mom is the greatest example of, uh, for me. She's watching online right now. She's going to be mad at me for sharing this with you. But, um, but when my dad was shot and killed, my mom uh, could have sought revenge. She could have been really angry and hated and, and, and sent lots of hate mail. She could have haunted that guy and drove him nuts. She could have showed up at, at my, the guy that killed my dad's home and done ugly things to his family. But you know what my mom did? She walked into the church because we lived right next to the church and she got on her knees and she asked for forgiveness for that man and what he did. And she taught us what kindness, what hasad really means. An act of kindness that goes beyond anything that you could ever imagine. One writer describes it this way. He says, hasad is when you are in big trouble. Anyone ever been in big trouble? All of us have. When you're in big trouble and something really bad is going to happen to you. And there is one person or one institution that can help you, but they really have no reason at all to go out of their way to help you, but they do. And that is the recipient of a said. And the same author, it goes on to say that when there's somebody who needs your help or someone who needs my help or someone who needs our help as a church, and their life will be much worse if they don't get our help and we have no particular reason to help them, but we do, that's a said. 
That's loving kindness. So when the floods came and, and we gathered together as a church and we brought meals to uh, Jenny Wiley, that was his said. Because those people didn't have food. They didn't have a place to stay. They didn't have anything and they needed help. And if somebody didn't bring help to them, they were going to go hungry or they weren't going to have a roof over their head. But people in our community joined together and provided those things. You see, God tells us that loving kindness, to love kindness even when it's inconvenient. That you and I, we are to love kindness even if it's inconvenient. It means to reach out with genuine compassion and to love, to love someone who is in desperate trouble. Have you ever practiced this said? Have you ever loved someone who is in desperate trouble? Maybe it's someone who has once hurt you. Maybe it's someone who once hurt you so deeply that you wish they were no longer living and they come to you for help and you have an opportunity to practice Hesed. You see, Hesed is to find the words to say, I forgive you for what you did to me and I'm here for you and I'll love you. To, to, to love a friend who once betrayed you, to help someone out who once stabbed you in the back. Has said is to come home to the dying to a dying parent who once abused you and to comfort them in your arms. So if we look at his said as an inconvenient act of kindness, what it really means, what it really means is to put your feelings and your judgment and your revenge and just aside and just allow the Spirit of God to lead you into an act of pure grace that you could have never done by yourself. So I'm convinced that if the man that took my dad's life, if he showed up on my mom's front door and he knocked on her door and he said, listen, you're the last person that I can come to for help. I don't have anywhere else to go and I've exhausted every other place to go. My mom would give him help because she knows what it means to practice has said. She knows what it means to love kindness. You see, it's inconvenient. And hear me when I say this, because I think as Christians, we feel like everything's going to be unicorns and rainbows. That when we say yes to Jesus, that everything, like the moon's all aligned and everything's perfect and life is good. But let me just tell you that being a follower of Jesus is hard. And being a follower of Jesus means it's going to be inconvenient sometimes. It's going to be inconvenient to be a follower of Jesus because here's what Jesus does. is Jesus always putting the wrong people in front of us. Like you're like, I want, to do anim- I want to do acts of kindness, but I don't want to do it to that person. And God's like, but that's the person I put in front of you. But I don't like that person. I, I don't really care if you like that person or not. This is the person I want you to love. And so sometimes being a follower of Jesus is inconvenient And Jesus is just telling us just to love them. Jesus tells us to love people no matter what they've done to you. Jesus says, I want you to love people and be kind to people no matter what they've said to you. I want want you to love people and be kind to them no matter what the color of their skin is. I want you to be kind to them and love them no matter where they come from. I I want you to love them and be kind to them no matter where they grew up. I want you to show kindness to them. From the very beginning, we're just called to love people. 
And then I wonder if you think about this, does, do you think that loving kindness, practicing has said, can that change the world? I mean, have you ever really thought about how do we change the world? Like we all know the predicament we're in. We all know that the world uh, is a crazy place to live. We all know that that culture is dictating some crazy things right now. But but have we ever thought about, well, how do we change that? Like we know, you know that a politician's not going to change that. You know that, that, a, that a, a tech giant's not going to change the world. You know these things aren't going to do it. But have you ever thought about how loving kindness can change the world we live in. And guess what? I would say to you that it already has. Like I seem to remember someone who continued to show kindness to others even at the point of exhaustion. I think I remember when Jesus tried to go to the other side of the lake to be alone and to pray, but he got, he got bamboozled. He got, uh, uh, he got ramrodded by a bunch of people. And instead of getting rest, the rest that he needed, he reached out with kindness to serve those who came to him. I remember when Jesus cried at the death of his friend Lazarus and he was grieving and he was sad. And yet he still served and loved the people in that town with such kindness I remember when he was in pure agony, right? When Jesus was in pure agony and he still showed kindness to those who came to arrest him and to lead him away. And I remember the last thing that Jesus did. The last thing that he did as a human on earth uh, while he died nailed to a cross was to reach out, to reach out with kind words and to offer forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I didn't deserve Jesus' kindness. But he gave it to me anyway. You don't deserve Jesus' kindness, but he offers it to you anyway. You see, Jesus, Jesus loves kindness. He lived said when he was on earth, and we are called to do the very same thing. As inconvenient as it may be, we are called as the church to love kindness. You know that guy on the side of the road that's broken down? I know you got a meeting. I know you got to be somewhere. But he needs your loving kindness. That grocery store clerk that you know you can see on her face or his face that it's been the worst day ever. And you're like, but I got to get home and cook dinner. And they just need you to be kind and say, hey, are you okay? My wife, we were in a hotel uh, uh, this week as we were traveling to Florida. And, and uh, she's one of the only people I know that will strike up a conversation with the, uh, the folks, uh, the cleaning uh, crew. And so they're out there in the morning. They're starting their daily routine. And there was one. And she looked like she had already had a miserable day. And I was, I was like, I'm just going to say, hey, have a good day. And that's what I did. I said, hey, I want you to have a good day as I was walking out. But my wife, she takes it a step further, right? She starts having a conversation with her. And she's like, I just want you to know we see you and we thank you for what you do. And I know that your work, you have a thankless job. Nobody ever thanks you for cleaning up bathrooms that have been just dirtied to clean up rooms and, and, and to, to deal with all that every day. And I just want you to know, thank you. And then I see you, and you know that person, the same person that I said, I hope you have a good day, she said, thanks. But when she was done with Jan, she said, thank you. You have a wonderful day too. Happy Thanksgiving. Like it just changed her whole attitude. 
just because of an act of kindness that was inconvenient because we had to hit the road. Like we had miles to put on the car. We had to get to Florida. We had a timetable. I'm like, we got to be here, here, and here, and here. And we got to reach this point at this time. And, 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 and it was an act of inconvenience. But she took the time to look the person in the eyes, to say, I see you. I know that your job is hard. I know that you don't get paid a whole lot. But I just want you to know I'm grateful and thankful that I had a clean bathroom because of what you did. I'm grateful and thankful for what you do. You see, we're surrounded, church, by pain. We are surrounded by pain. People all around us, there's addictions of all kinds. There's abuse of all kinds. Marriages are falling apart. Uh, divorce is skyrocketing. Parenting, uh, parents are struggling. There's dysfunctions in families. There's grief. There's eating disorders. There's, there's guilt. There's self-hatred. There's shame. There's codependency. And the list goes on and on and on. And people are in pain. And every one of those things breaks the heart of God and every one of those things should break our hearts too. It should break our hearts and we must choose to love kindness, not just be kind, but love kindness with all of our hearts. And so let me just ask you, how is God, how is God calling you to love and respond and participate in loving kindness in the world you live in. Because here's what I know. I know that God has uniquely created you to be you. Like there is no one, besides your thumbprint, there is no one in this world like you. You're one of a kind. And because you're one of a kind, he created you special. And he's given you unique talents and gifts. And I'm just asking you, how are you going to use those talents and gifts to show loving kindness to people out there. Because there's housekeeping people and there are grocery store clerks and there are dentists and there are doctors and there are lawyers and there are mechanics who are in pain that we meet every day. And what an opportunity we have to show loving kindness to each and every one of them. Let me just share with you that one of the ways that you can do it today is by grabbing a blessing bag as you leave today. Spring Deeds is going to come up in a minute. She's going to share all about them. But here's what I want to tell you, that filling one of these bags with food, because there's a list in here of food to buy, filling one of these bags, it can be inconvenient for you. Like, it's an extra trip to the store. Um, it may be, uh, financially, it may be a little bit of a burden on you. And you may say, you know what, I'm on a tight budget, so I may have to give some things up to do this, so it might be a little inconvenient for you, but, but it's kindness. Like, this is loving kindness, filling up a bag and bringing it back to offer to folks that will have no meal on Christmas Day, but they will when you fill this bag up. Or, or maybe consider the example from Gandhi. I know Gandhi, it's like, why are we talking about Gandhi? But there's a great example from Gandhi, he was on traveling, and as he stepped aboard a train, he was traveling by train, and as he stepped up on the train one day, his shoe slipped off, and it landed on the track, and the train began to leave, and so Gandhi didn't have time to get back off the train and to retrieve his shoe. So you know what he did? He took off his other shoe, and he threw it out the train door, 
And, and one, of his, uh, one of his people that were traveling with him said, why in the world? Why, why, why did you throw your shoe? And he explained, well, the poor man who finds the shoe lying on the track will now have a pair of shoes that he can actually use. That's kindness. That's loving kindness. That's his said. And so how many shoes, I just want to ask, how many shoes have you left on the track? Like how many shoes have you left? Because here's the reality. I believe that kindness changes people. I believe that kindness, has said, can change the world. And I believe that the church is the group of people that should be doing it. Like we should be the leading example for the rest of the world of what true kindness looks like. So what did God say to the people in Israel when they said, what do you want from us, Lord? He said three things. I want you to act justly. I want you to love kindness. And I want you to humble yourselves. Act justly. Love kindness. And humble yourselves. Church, if we'll start living that way, I believe that we will see a difference in Prestonsburg and Johnson County and Floyd County and beyond. But it starts with our hearts. It starts with us making a decision, an intentional decision to say, Lord, I'm going to start living my life justly justly I'm going to start loving kindness and I'm going to start acting humble putting others needs before my own listen we live in a selfish world with a lot of selfish people if we could just get these three things right transformation will happen and isn't that our mission here to see transforming transforming relationships through Jesus so let's act justly but let's love kindness and then let's live humbly would you pray with me Father God I thank you for today God I thank you that we can come together and worship you and this Sunday after Thanksgiving God many of us traveled and spent time with family and what an amazing weekend we had uh, of, of, of spending time with family, having great meals together, watching football, shopping, doing all the things that we did. And Lord, we're getting ready to enter into this holiday season. And God, it's really easy for us to focus on ourselves during this holiday season, during Christmas. It's easy for us to get caught up in, I gotta do this and I gotta do that. Our schedules get full we get busy. We start thinking about shopping and getting all the Christmas presents. We think about uh, decorating. We think about uh, where we're going to be and how we're going to get there. And, and we forget. We forget that there's people out there that just are one kindness away, one act of kindness away from their lives being changed forever. So, Lord, my prayer is that during this Christmas season, that we would really be intentional about, about being just, about loving kindness, and about being humble and putting others' needs before our own. God, would your spirit help us? 
to be the people that you've called us to be so that you're not calling us out like you did the Israelites and saying, why are you acting the way you are like spoiled children when I have done so many good things for you? What's your response? And all they could think of, Lord, was what offerings can we offer to make it right? Lord, you're not interested in our offerings. You're interested in our, in our persons and who we are. And you want us to be people of justice. And you want us to be people who love kindness. And you want us to be people that are humble. So, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to show us what that looks like and the way he lived his life here on earth by showing us the ultimate act of kindness by dying on the cross for our sins, for our wrongdoings, for our selfishness, for our and you fill in the blank. What an act of kindness that was. That was his said in living color. So God, we thank you for salvation today. And Lord, may we return. May we show kindness back to you by the way we live our lives, by the way that we are kind to all people, no matter who they are no matter what color skin they have, no matter where they came from, no matter what they talk like, that we're gonna show kindness to them because you showed kindness to us. And Lord, if there's someone in here today who's never experienced your kindness, who's never experienced your salvation, that today would be the day. Today would be the day that they would say, yes, Lord. Today would be the day that they say, I want to experience the kindness that Jesus, that you have for me. I want to experience your forgiveness and your love and your mercy and your grace. Jesus, come and fill my life with your kindness. Fill it to overflowing so that your kindness would flow out of me into the lives of others. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as we leave today, we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to invite you, if you would like to come up uh, to the front here and pray, you are welcome to. Like, maybe you just need to come, and maybe you realize, I've been selfish already, and maybe you need to say, I just need to, I need to ask for forgiveness for that. Maybe you want to come and just celebrate the acts of kindness and how life has been transformed or other lives. Maybe you want to come and ask Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, whatever it is. This area, our space is your space. You're welcome to come and pray. If you want someone to pray with you, I'm right there on the front row. I'd be honored to come and pray with you. And so let's stand together. Let's sing. And if you feel the need, you come. If you feel God calling you, you come and you spend time in prayer.